This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICradio.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Under Review on VICradio.org. I'm Clayton Davis alongside Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Nice. It's, it's early. It's been a long week. But, I mean, what's better than ending your week with some under-review? Or just getting it started because it's Sunday morning. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Definitely. No, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, so let's let's just jump right into it. Um, MLB playoffs, um, we finally have the matchup for the World Series. Um, you know, a huge um, game six last night, um, the Atlanta Braves advancing to the World Series um, for the first time since 1999. It's been that long since um, they've had that um, sort of success. Um, you guys want to just talk about the series and just, like, what this means to Atlanta and, you know, this whole championship and everything? I, I can start off. It's, I, I'm going to bring it back to, I believe it was around Jul- June, July, regular season, the Braves had lost to Cunha. They were not in first place in the National League East because the Mets were for a major part of the regular season despite not making the playoffs. And after they lost, it was Acuna, there were rumors that the Braves were going to tear it down if they were unable to win a ser- if they were unable to win a series against the Mets. It was a five game with a couple double headers. They do win that series. I believe they took four of five and they decided to keep it going, trade for some pieces, see how far they can go. And now you look at their roster, they're being led by Eddie Rosario, who just broke the record for batting average in an ALCS series. I think it's 583 or something. Adam Duvall, who's more of a power bust guy his whole career, but he's been he's been pretty solid. Jorge Soler, who had COVID, but is going to be back for the World Series and was a really big part of the end of their regular, their regular season. And Jock Peterson, who has hit so many big home runs this postseason. So all four outfielders they're primarily using have been trade chips at the deadline. And it just shows how great of a story this Braves team is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, they definitely were able to make um, some great pieces um, and able to follow up on that. Um, Kyle, you want to jump right into it? And, and something that I'm going to kind of talk about is I feel like the the last time that we were as a full crew was when the wild card game. And, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's 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 weird to think that. I'm not going to talk about the Yankees, Jeremy. Don't I was about to say. Game. I mean. That was when Jeremy was so confident in the Yankees, and such a weird time that, wow, we we're in the same situation, Jeremy. We're not we're not too far apart. Mets and Yankees. Yeah. It was only a matter of time, right? Been a few weeks since that, and, and now it's the Astros for the AL. Which again, I feel like the Astros this year they weren't like like yes they were good, but I feel like kind of the spotlight wasn't really there because at this point they have been very good to the point where it's kind of almost expected of them. And and for the Braves, again, in the regular season, the Mets led the way for a long time. And then coming into the postseason after they took the NL East, they only had a 17% chance of, of winning a pennant. And 16 days later, and again, now that we have this show, they have won the pennant. Yeah, yeah. pretty remarkable. Um this team came down from a lot. I mean, Jeremy kind of hit on the point. He said about that adversity, but this team faced a lot. And, I mean, even just without guys like Mike Soroka, who ended up tearing another Achilles, I mean, freakish injuries that kind of was holding this team back. I mean, they beat the Dodgers. They beat the defending world champions. This Dodgers team was highlighted in all different colors throughout the whole year is this is the team to beat. This is the team to beat. This is the best team in baseball. This is the best lineup in baseball. This is the best pitching in baseball. And now you look at this Do- what this Dodgers team kind of went through. They lost Muncie. You lose Justin Turner at the end of the series. That didn't play much of a factor, of course, but Max Scherzer, unable to pitch game six, he's has quote-unquote dead arm. That's going to affect his free agency. He's 37 going on to 38. How reliable can he be at this age if you're – if you're looking at him for postseason-wise, because he also had dead arm at 2019 when the Nationals won the World Series. So obviously, that's that was huge. They lost Clayton Kershaw for the whole postseason. This Dodgers team kind of got beat up pretty badly. But the thing was, this was still a really good team, not taking anything away from what the Braves did. This was still a really, really good Dodgers team that, that was had firepower and timely hitting. That kept them in the series. But without Cody Bellinger's three-run home run, 
Atlanta probably wins this series four to one, makes this a lot easier, probably finishes up in LA. And, and another thing I kinda I know, Ethan, you mentioned that the Dodgers they were the defending champions coming into this year. And also, if you think about it with MLB, this also kinda happened in the NBA almost for the Lakers where it's a shortened season and then there's a shorter break and then you go right back into a fuller season and, and again when you have all those games back to back or in a short period of time, fatigue can really set in. And I feel like that's really the case for the Dodgers because you had those guys playing for the World Series in 2020 in the shortened COVID year. And then they had to defend that title in 2021. And again, although they did make moves at the deadline, they got Trey Turner and they got Max Scherzer, where eventually the fatigue for a lot of their players, it just set into the point where it harmed them and again the Braves took advantage of that in this series matching up against them and they going on to the World Series. I mean this team was just electric. They were fiery the whole series, the whole postseason so far. I mean Riley played out of his mind. He had some huge hits, especially even last night, his double that started off the game. Ozzy Albies who put together a monster season by himself. He played really really well and honestly Ozzy Albies' progression has impressed me so much because a lot of people saw him as overrated. Um, and he, I mean, for good reason. He hasn't been great since that rookie start that he had. But, I mean, this year he was unbelievable. I'm pretty sure he came in second in the National League and extra base hits behind Bryce Harper. And then, of course, it's hard not to bring up Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, who just carried this team on his back. Massive three-run bomb. Hit over 500 in the National League Championship Series with 16 hits in six games, I believe. I mean, that's almost unheard of, Eddie Rosario. One of those four guys that Jeremy brought up that they brought in at the deadline becomes a hero in Atlanta. I mean, just an unbelievable story. And, of course, Freddie Freeman, one of the best, if not the best, first basemen in the game. He hit two home runs this series. After starting off 0 for 8, too, he got hot. He had six hits in Los Angeles within those three games. I mean, there's not much to, I mean, and then also, I mean, for a postseason recipe, you'd love to have three starters that you can rely on to work with, to work with. And this team had it. Max Free, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson. Those guys provided at least 12 innings apiece. And, I mean, that's the recipe right there. This team deserves it. They played hard. And I'm not even an Atlanta Braves fan. I actually hate Atlanta. It's the one team I didn't want in the postseason, <laughs> just for, for my sake of the Mets. But I, I tip my cap. This was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Clay, my question to you is, do you think that they are a worthy opponent of the Houston Astros? Or of course are, they are. Are, are Houston inevitably going to win this World Series. I think Houston inevitably wins this World Series just because they have so many better, um, like, rotation players, I feel like. Um, you know, you have Gurriel, um, Altuve has been stepping up, you know, and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, they've been playing really well. Um, and let's just jump right into, you know, that series, you know, with um, the Houston Astros um, as they defeated the um, the Boston Red Sox um, early on a couple days ago. Um, so... What is it, do you think do you guys think that um with Houston um winning this series do you think that you know the Red Sox were on such a great run you know throughout the postseason and then you had Houston who was able to step up who do you think do you think that the Red Sox lost this series or do you think that Houston won Houston won it but there's been a bad series there were so many umpire controversies especially with Laz Diaz that it's hard not to ignore the umpiring but I think Houston definitely deserved the series. They're, they have a deep lineup, and they got a lot of good pitching from some guys who probably were pitching in the biggest games of their career, and Framber Valdez, who had a really nice game six. Luis Garcia really mm-hmm. stepped up in game five to put the Astros up three to two, throwing some no-hit innings over there. So, well, Luis Garcia was game six, I believe. I, I forgot which one it was. I think it, but, yeah, I think it was game six. Yeah, yeah was but, game six. But, mm-hmm. but then you have guys like Kyle Tucker who have had the best – performances of their career now in the postseason. Altuve, really good. Bregman hit some home runs. Correa earning whatever big contract he gets next offseason. So the Astros definitely deserve it. It's not like they played a lackluster series. Gotcha. Kyle, how about you? And more so for the Red Sox, I know kind of earlier on in the postseason, again with the wild card game and into the division series, their bats were truly alive, and that was the main reason they were able to to just score at will, score in clutch situations, and that's what put them to the ALCS. And really, in games five and six, 
it kind of it teetered off for them. They only had five total hits in the final two games of the mm-hmm. series, and that's a credit, obviously, to Houston pitching. So at least for the Red Sox, the Bats got them as far as they could, and then when they kind of teetered out, that's when they stepped out. And again, for the Red Sox, no one expected them to even be there. No one really expected them to be there this season. A lot of them were like, a lot of people were thinking they were going to be the fourth seed in the right. NBA at least. So even though the bats teetered off in games five and six for the Red Sox, you, you got to love it if you're a part of the team, if you're a fan, because no one expected you to get this far, and you do have a lot that you can build on for next season. Definitely, yeah. Um, do you think that with the Red Sox um, and everything, what do you think is the next step for them um, You know, moving forward? Honestly, I mean, I don't know, and – if Kike, Kike Hernandez was amazing in the postseason, I, I don't know exactly what contract he's got. He's another on. year left. He's got he's another, got another year, left. year left. That was a two-year deal. So that that's someone where you can build around and maybe work on at least try to find another pitcher. I know that Chris Sale was gone for a lot of the season, came back, and they had a lot of players that step up. Maybe if they can get another key starter or another kind of reliever that could help them, and where. Maybe at least when the next predictions come out, maybe the Red Sox are not fourth in the AL East. Maybe they kind of get into that that mix. And at least for the AL East this season, there were four teams over nine that had ninety plus wins. Right, and that just shows that that division is so stacked in terms of talent and in terms of teams. Also, that division is just going to keep getting better and better. The Rays have a really bright future. The Yankees are probably on a decline, of course. Right, Jeremy? Um, <laughs> no, I kidding. have a lot to say about the Yankees, but it's, yeah. this is not the time. <laughs> no, not the time. Um, I want to talk about the Astros. The Astros, were they, they won. They deserved it. They dominated this postseason so far. They've only lost three games in the postseason. And, I mean, to be honest, even just games two and three for the Red Sox, the Red Sox just caught fire. And, I mean, if you remember early on in the year, the Red Sox were one of the best teams in baseball in the first half because they produced offensively like that. But then in the second half, you know, it's it's unhuman to produce stuff like that at the plate every single game. And you, they experienced that in the second half. And they lost some games, and they weren't as good, and people doubted them. But they came back. The Red Sox got hot again. That offense really kind of picked them up and put them on their back and got them, what Kyle said, as far as they probably could have gone. And the Red Sox are definitely going to need some pitching. They have a very good offense, and they'll build off that offense, there's no doubt. But the Astros, I mean, this Astros lineup is so deep. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman from the top. The middle third is Alvarez, Correa, Tucker. Your six-hitter, Tucker, hit hit over 30 bombs this year, which is honestly remarkable. Every time I see that Kyle Tucker hit 30 home runs this year, I was like, oh, my God. This guy had a... unbelievable yeah, right. season and Tucker he had, he obviously has the big blow the three run bomb in the eighth inning opposite field into the Crawford boxes and then seven eight nine I mean at least in uh game six was Guriel McCormick and Maldonado Guriel batting seventh was the American League batting average leader which, which is, is so cra- just, yeah, which is so crazy. Like he bats seventh, like, and he wasn't even just, in, like the top of the lineup. That you just know, shows he was the playing so well. depth of this team. This team is so deep in offensive production and even just pitching. They got a unbelievable performance by Luis Garcia. Garcia goes five and two thirds, allows one hit, and the one hit was off the wall by Kike Hernandez on a triple, which was close enough to a home run, but. Still, he gets taken out to that. He gets the win, seven strikeouts. I mean, he even just came in as fast. Locating a fastball in 97 lower in the zone is just dangerous, mean work. And their bullpen gets the job done. The the Astros played their cards right. They dealt for Graveman at the deadline. Graveman was the best, one of the best relief pitchers in the game, and he was dominant this postseason. And then Stanek Presley at the back. I mean, this team's good. They're of depth, and I think that they may be locks to win this World Series. I think that Astros team is so, yeah. so, so good. So speaking of locks, let's go around starting with Clay. And what's your prediction for how this is going to end? I think this is going to be um, – I think the Houston Astros are going to win five games. I think that's, um, that's basically what's going to happen. I think, you know, because of how long the series was with, you know, um, Atlanta and – you know, the Dodgers dominating in, you know, some of the games and everything like that, that could definitely, like, war off the team for sure. So 
I think I'm going to go with the Houston Astros. But, um, yeah, Kyle, what um, what predictions do you have for the World Series? I'm going to agree with Clay on the Astros part, but I feel like Eddie Rosario is going to have another good string of games, and he's going to keep the Braves alive. I got Astros in six. Cool. Jeremy? Yeah, I as much as I want to pick the Braves, and I, I, I honestly, as much as I hate the Astros, I got as a Yankee fan, I got to acknowledge they're still a very good team. I got the Astros actually in seven, but I, they're going to win the series. Oh, wow. Okay. I think the opposite, Kyle. And I say this, I don't think that Eddie Rosario is going to keep it hot because players that are hot like that, like to have performances like that, reminds me of Daniel Murphy. And the fact that he didn't even he had like one hit in the World Series as a whole. So yeah, I'm like scarred. six years ago, kind of terrible. Literally yeah. six years ago, so I'm kind of scarred from people having players having great performances. I mean, other than Corey Seager, Corey Seager won the AL, the excuse me, the NLCS and then MVP and then the World Series MVP. So he was nasty. So it's not unheard of. But I think I think the Braves give a good run for their money. I think Astros in six or seven. I think it's going to be a good series. Just the nature of it, playing in Atlanta. I mean, those guys love playing Atlanta. It's fun. The energy is packed. I mean, just the roar of that crowd is just undeniable. Also in Houston, I just think that the home team is going to win a lot of these games. So now who has home field advantage? Probably Houston because they have 95 wins. Because it was the other way around because the Atlanta Braves got home field advantage over the Dodgers. And that was because the Dodgers were a wild card team and Atlanta was a division winner team. But now that doesn't matter anymore. I think it's just strictly wins. I know that both these guys won their respective divisions. So I think Houston gets game one, two. Yeah. Atlanta, three, four, five. And then back to Houston for six, seven if needed, of course. I think Houston wins the series in six or seven. Yeah, so Houston actually um, is hosting the first two games. So they, yes. will, um, they will get home field advantage. Kyle, you have a point? And another thing that kind of came to my mind when we were talking about this, at least for Atlanta, this is a team that hasn't been in the World Series since 1999. There's a lot of players on this team that haven't been to the World Series. They haven't played on that stage. And for the Astros... Third time in five years. You've been there. You've been there. You know what the expectations like. You know what the crowds are like in the atmosphere. It's a good point. So, again... I had Astros in six. That's going to be another thing that I attribute to that prediction because they understand the stakes, and I feel like for Atlanta, you're going to have a good crop of players, but again, it's October baseball, and it's at that high point stage. You're right. No, you're right, and I think that's a huge factor. Even Carlos Correa kind of brought that up in his post-game interview after they clinched the pennant. He's like, listen, we've been here. All of us have been here before. This feels like. and deserve it. They they deserve it. Stop. They deserve it. Don't don't. In twenty seventeen, they deserved it. Okay, I'm not saying right now. They I deserve said, it right I said, now. I said they didn't deserve to have been there before. Even in twenty seventeen, they still had probably one of the most talented rosters in baseball. It just sucks that they got caught cheating. And cheated. Everyone cheats. Everyone cheats. Um, you no, cheat? It, oh my. <laughs> yeah. So are you're justifying it? Now? I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying they proved it. By making the World Series this year, Altuve said he'd get the, he they'd be back, and they got back. So I all I'm saying, out of respect, you tip your cap to these guys because out of all they went through, they every stadium they went to in America, they got trash cans thrown at them, they got booed like crazy, and nothing affected these guys. The talents there, the experiences there, five straight ALCS appearances, now third World Series in five years. You, ha- it's just out of respect for the game of baseball. I know it sucks that they cheated, and they cheated in a horrifying way. And I'm not—I don't want to justify that at all. But you have to tip your cap to these guys. They got back again, and Carlos Correa said, "Listen, we've been here. We know what it feels like." The Red Sox, on the other hand, most of their guys were—I mean, this is a very different team than that 2018 World Series team. There, it's a whole lot different. A lot of young guys on that Red Sox team Definitely, weren't actually yeah. experienced playing on the road in Houston in elimination games. <laughs> not easy, especially for guys who haven't been there. So, I mean. Tip your cap, of course, to the Red Sox, but an even bigger tip of the cap to the Astros. They proved themselves. Uh, any final thoughts before um, we head into no. a break? I'll let Ethan end it on that. Yeah, yeah, with that little <laughs> rant and everything like that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an exciting um, World Series to come. When we come back, we'll talk about the beginning of the NBA season right here on Under Review on BICRadio.org. Hear your favorite songs from every genre. The twist? You won't hear any originals. 
Tune in to We Got It Covered on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. on VIC Radio, and we guarantee you'll find a song you love. Medical mistakes claim tens of thousands of lives every year. The healthcare community is working on it, but you can help. When you communicate with your doctor, when you ask more questions, you reduce your risk of suffering a medical mistake. Doctors can't answer if you don't ask. Help reduce your risk. Questions are the answer. Learn the 10 questions you must ask. Visit www.ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and the Ad Council. Do you like listening to your favorite songs? Well, on We Got It Covered, you'll hear them. Just not the originals. From pop to country, classic rock to musical theater, and more, there's something for everybody to love. And we guarantee you'll be surprised to hear which of your favorite songs isn't actually an original. Tune in to We Got It Covered on Wednesdays from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on VIC Radio. This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICradio.org. Welcome back to Under Review on VICradio.org. I'm Clayton Davis alongside... Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Guys, the NBA season has started. Um, super exciting. The 75th anniversary season for the NBA. And, of course, we got to talk about the Knicks. Um, their first couple of yeah. games. Um, yeah. It, they, and they're 2-0 and um, to start off the season. So That opener was absolutely insane. I don't know how I survived as a fan. I don't know why I didn't go into cardiac arrest oh my God, yeah. <laughs> in my room, but it's so it's so this is the most fun team they've had. I, I feel like I've been gonna say this every year, but I think they took last year's team, which was pretty much the the stepping stone of like their 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 base team of how they wanted to start building, and and they got better. They they signed Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier in free agency. Kemba Walker gives them much-needed depth at the point guard position and all-star experience. Evan Fournier just gives them a scoring boost. And Tom Thibodeau's just coaching them well. I-, I think it was a bit of a rough defensive game in Game 1, and then in Game 2 against the Orlando Magic, who are a significantly, significantly worse team than the Boston Celtics, albeit they won by 30 or something. They, they were blowing them out wire to wire. So I, I really like this team is headed. They gotta, they're going for 3-0 tonight. Once again, they're playing the Magic, this time at MSG. So many good things to say about this team. And Mitchell Robinson's back as well, so I really like that. Yeah, no, it was great to see Mitchell Robinson, and you know, he had some pretty ferocious dunks um, during the first game of the season. Um, yeah, so let's just talk about the you know the first game, a double overtime thriller um, that was oh going on. And um, there, were some, there were some key guys that, um, that really stepped up that um, – you know, the Knicks just acquired. Um, it was pretty crazy. So, yeah, um, you got to yeah. acknowledge Clay. I'm sorry to interrupt. Jalen yeah. Brown on, on your favorite team, the Boston Celtics, yeah. comes off the COVID list and then two days later drops what, was it 48 points. Yeah, I think he almost dropped 50. 46. Yeah. 46. 46. And he also missed a crucial dunk that yeah, yeah, may have, the dunk. May have the... sent the Knicks sleeping for the night, Definitely. which was crazy. But yeah, I mean, the Knicks are fun. Knicks are fun. Fournier, thirty-two. I love what the Knicks did this offseason because they didn't go out there and they didn't they didn't trade for Russell Westbrook. They didn't trade for Damian Lillard. But what they did was what they brought pieces in, pieces that kind of fit this chemistry. No one who's gonna over. I'm trying. I'm trying to put this in the best way possible, or I'm trying to like fit these words out because I'm struggling a little bit. But um, I don't know. Some just like no one who was too like ball hockey and overpowering. No like quote unquote superstar. That they brought in, but they brought in pieces like Fournier and Walker. And those guys come in and they play so effective. Fournier drops 32 on the opening night, six three-pointers. Kemba Walker, obviously, I mean, he hasn't he played 36 minutes. I mean, you can't complain. Eight rebounds, three assists, 10 points. And the next game he drops 11. I mean, he's going to be a good player. He's a good point guard. Also, it just gives Derrick Rose some time off to get off the bench again because that's exactly what the Knicks need. And Obi Toppin has played two really good games so far, too. That's fun. That's fun and cool to watch because imagine how good. I mean, Obi Toppins, I think his potential's through the roof. He can be a really good player. But the Knicks are fun. The Knicks are fun. The Knicks are fun. 
Yeah, yeah, especially with their fans and everything. Oh, you everyone know, loves it. Come, come back. Those videos are classic. The videos are great, but I, I want to ask you guys a question, actually. Did the Knicks reach their ceiling last year? Or, I mean, if this makes sense, did the Knicks reach their highest point last season? Are they going to be the fourth best team in the East again, or are they not going to get back there? Like, let's be honest here. Are they the fourth best team in the East? I still think I'm still obviously I still want and hope that they're thinking and hope think and want that they're going to make the playoffs. But are they the fourth best team in the East? Probably not. What are you guys' thoughts? I feel like it might not. They might not exactly reach that point. But mm-hmm. again, with this team, they they have gotten better in terms of players. At least for the first two games, they had. Game one against the Celtics, they had six players score double digits, and then the game against the Magic, they had seven. Where they have all the options when it comes to you could just give the ball to anyone and they could score, and that's that's a big thing. Where it's I feel like it is a bit of an improvement for over last year. I don't know exactly. Definitely if, an improvement. I don't I don't know exactly if they get to that fourth seed. I'm sure they can make a run for it, but I feel like again the season's just starting out, and we got to see more of this team in action to get a, a better idea of an answer. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of proven grounds. You only played two games, and Boston's a good team, so you had a great win against them. That game should have ended in regulation. That should not have went to two overtimes. But oh yeah, definitely not. Regardless, I mean, you, you walk away victorious. The opening night was crazy. Yeah. Double overtime. Actually, not people were. Literally, hands on knees, bent, bent, hurling over. If you haven't watched the Side Talk New York video of the Knicks on the street reacting to the win, uh, just go that, do yourself, that's, do yourself that's a like favor. True, true quintessential New York. Do yourself, awesome. do yourself a favor. But, but yeah, Obi Toppin, I heard his name mentioned. If he, this guy takes that next step, and exactly. he, I, I think it'll do wonders, not only just that the Knicks have an extra great, good player on their team, but it just takes pressure off Julius Randle to play so many minutes. And then also going back to your point about the Lillard, not trading for Lillard and Westbrook. One, I don't know how you could rightfully trade for Russell Westbrook after seeing what he did for Washington last oh, year and not know. do that well. He's up to a terrible start in L.A. Did you want him, though? Did you, did you want Westbrook? Maybe. I wanted him wrongfully just the year before because I didn't think the Knicks were going to be good. Oh, it was the year before. Okay. I, I, thought I, that was I, was tr- I was just grasping at straws. Yeah. And then Damian Lillard. I, I don't know how you could be sitting there expecting Tom Thibodeau to really do that. Especially because he fell in love with the roster he had, and he, there's already so much chemistry there. I, I, you don't really want to break it up. Knicks have two good point guards now. Are they are they, are they a little older? Maybe a little bit. They're they're veterans, but they're gonna, they're, they're going to get the job done as long as they stay healthy. And Kemba, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Evan Fournier. This team could go far. And while I don't know if they'll get back to the four seed. I don't know if aside from I think aside from Brooklyn and Milwaukee, Brooklyn at full strength. By the way, I, they, they've looked a little shaky these first couple of games, but obviously they're, they're, they'll get better. Aside from those two teams at their best, I think the Knicks can play anybody in the East. I think I think honestly, like just going back to that specific point, I think that the East division with their specific te- with the specific teams of you have Philadelphia who's in a little bit of a turmoil with everything that's going on with Ben Simmons and everything. And then you have Toronto, who's, yeah, they're... They're bad. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their best player is Fred Van Vliet, you know. And, you know, <laughs> there's nobody really there that could um, potentially step up for that team. Um, the Celtics, where you have... It's just a mess. They're going to be good. They're going to be good this year. Yeah, but They'll figure I, don't, it out. I don't know if they could be as good as the Knicks. I really don't think so. Because just... The team chemistry between Brown and and Tatum is just not there, um, so there has like to it, be something like, that has to be additional. I feel like it's like ended on. Sorry to interrupt. I just yeah, no, feel it's okay. like it's like was it ever there between those two guys? Because you look at those guys, and I mean, and, and on paper, these guys should these guy this team should be really good. Yeah, I just I feel like maybe they've just never figured out between those two. I mean, I think it's just it just comes down to like the coaching and the management. That's I fair. think that's that's, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once that Ume Udoko, who's the new head coach for the Celtics, once he is able to understand the strengths and weaknesses of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, maybe it'll you know come it'll into catch up. Yeah, it'll cu- come into yeah into because I mean, alone those two are so good. I mean, yeah. Tatum, one of the best players in the game. Jalen Brown right behind him. It's just that those guys, I feel like, just haven't figured it out. Also, Tatum, 
Tatum missed a bunch of shots late in that game. Brown, obviously. Who hit the uh, buzzer beater three? Because that play was also... That was, that was Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, because that play was just drew up perfectly. That was, like out of, that was out of a movie, that play, to tie the game, to send it to overtime. I think it was like three passes or four passes down the, down the court yeah. to a wide-open Marcus Smart. And that, that play was unbelievable. I was really impressed. Not even by the shot. I mean, the shot, he was wide open. Obviously, that's a high-pressure right. shot in the garden. And Smart drills that to tie the game. But still, I was just more impressed by the play design. That was unbelievable. Definitely, yeah. Um, hopefully, there's different plays like that. Kyle, you have, a, you have a point on, you know, the Celtics? I feel like with Brown and Tatum, I might be wrong, but those are two guys where, again, on paper, individually, they both stand out. And they could be someone where you can give the ball in, like, an ISO situation where they could make a move and they could put a shot up. And I feel like the Celtics, they, they really just have to – and I think this, is, this isn't just the this year. It could be in the past where you have to learn to balance those two guys and use both of their strengths good. And, again, Ime Udoko just came in to the Celtics job, and with this new team he's still moving some things around. I feel like – as the season goes on, they could find a better balance with that. And I feel like this also could be – this also is a problem with the Lakers because they have so many guys who you could just give the ball to in an ISO spot and they could just score. Where, again, you just have to kind of stress that basketball is a team sport. You can't – like, yes, you can have someone go for 50 points and a triple-double every night, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the game. Right. I Ex- feel like exactly once they find that good rhythm, I feel like the Celtics are going to go back up to their – Regular spot in the conference. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, you brought up a great point. The Lakers, you know, um, just having a, a, a bunch of new acquisitions um, at the deadline, but it just doesn't feel as though that they, you know, quite mesh, you know, overall over the course of the season. Of course, they had um, during their second game, they had a they had a little scuffle between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah, which was not good, which is not a great way to start the season and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I wonder just how LeBron feels after that. You know, I also think LeBron is not 100% healthy. That ankle injury that he had, a high ankle sprain last year, I know it was a while ago, but I actually had the same injury at the same exact time, and that injury sucks. That's like way worse mm-hmm. than break that's like way worse than breaking your ankle because it is a longer recovery process and ankle sprains do not go away. Like I still feel my ankle all the time and LeBron even said in last year's postseason he's like, "Listen, I'm not healthy. My ankle is not good." And I could imagine that I mean, he's old, not to mention what is he in his 18th season now? Yeah. In the 19th, 19th. 19th season in the league. I mean, even more worthy. I mean, LeBron, he's he needs some help. AD's got to be that guy. AD's got to be that guy. Russell Westbrook needs to score more than 8 or 15 points because you brought him in as a superstar. You need him to play that role. He's and not, to be honest, I just don't think you're going to get that out of him. I never I, I never looked at that trade and said, wow, the Lakers are the best team in the league. Never. I don't know if that ever crossed my mind. I looked at him like, why... Our team still taking chances with Russell Westbrook. He's, I don't he's know. Just a scorer, he's he's a triple true. double machine, and when he's when he is at his peak level, he's almost unstoppable. But, but he needs the ball. You can't in rely his, on him being at that point. You can't rely on him being at that point. Also, he needs to have the ball in his hand at all times for him to be that triple double machine. Me, and he's never going to get that with LeBron I, and AD. I've said this so many times on seeing the preseason, and I, I as much as I don't like the team, I, I like players on the team. But the Lakers, they don't have a young playmaker. No. True. You, yeah. you could say Taylor Horton Tucker. He's not going to dominate a game with those players What are you talking about? Roster. They have Carmelo Anthony. I love Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. I wish he was on the Knicks right now. But at yeah, the same cool. time, if you look at all these teams in the West, let's, let's, I'm going to go through it right now. The, the, the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, they're, they're, they still got a young, young guy in, in us in spite of Mitchell. Grizzlies, John Morant. Phenomenal player. Oh, he's the so good. Warriors, Warriors are going to have Wiseman rise up. Wolves are going to have Anthony Edwards. The Nuggets have Jamal Murray and he'll be back, Jokic. And, and, and they, they draft. Bull Bull is the exciting young guy. Kings still have Fox. All these teams in the West that are good, like the Clippers and Terrence Mann, they have young studs that can energize a roster and, and, and give some life to these veteran players. The Lakers are relying on an, a team of 2010 
superstars. You know, they're, the Lakers are going to catch fire at some point in the season. And I don't they're, know they're if they get will. Hot. I don't know they if they do will. They do it. LeBron does it every year. It'll happen. But LeBron plays 37 minutes. But the thing is, see, that's, and, that's and unsustainable. And 25 points, two rebounds, and five assists. That's it. And you know, that I mean, that's obviously the factor of Russell Westbrook. His Russell Westbrook needs the usage rate to produce because if it's, the ball's not in his hands, <laughs> he's not much yeah, of a factor. Exactly. But the problem is, like, you brought this guy in. You have to make it work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like the Lakers this year. I think that's still at some point we're going to sit here in this room and say, "Listen, the Lakers are hot. They're one of the best teams in basketball." Because they're. I mean, let's be honest. They have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook. Those are some of the best basketball players in the world right now. They'll figure it out. Let's be honest. Let's not be biased here. They'll figure it out. They're going to get hot. They're going to be one of the better teams in the West. I think at least. But is it enough for a championship? Is it enough to maintain the top four spots in the West? I don't know. I mean, I, I still think this team is is a five, six, seven seed. Coco, yeah. And uh, this might sound like a bit of an over exaggeration. No, go. But, no over exaggerations on an interview. But go. Again, I was <laughs> thinking of the idea where you know all these new acquisitions, these all these all kind of older guys and. It made me think of the 2004 Lakers team, where they had Carl Malone, Horace Grant, they, they the whole had team, Gary mm-hmm. Payton, all those guys. And again, like you could just say, like, hey, they made, they made the finals, but but still, do you kind of see? It's kind of a discussion question. Do you guys see any resemblance between 100%. this Lakers team now and the 2014? No, it's a great point. That's a great point. Um, is this team the best in the West? Do I think that they're going to win the West? No, but I no, see the no, I see the no. resemblance. They brought in guys, especially like Carl Malone, at the end of his career. I mean, these guys are. I mean, Russ Westbrook approaching the end of his career. Not yet, though. He's still got plenty of time left in the league. But I see the resemblance. You think so? You think he still has time? I mean, I mean, how old is he right now? How old is Russell Westbrook? Oh, Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, Russell Westbrook. Around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Westbrook's got, got some like time. Three or four years. Yeah. Three what is years. his age? He's thirty-two. He's thirty-two. He's, 32. But, 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 He's got plenty but, of time. But before we we we. Move on from this. I I just need to say, like two years ago, I don't even have Anthony Davis, but the team relied on LeBron James to play consistent minutes, and he has had a significant injury over the past few seasons. At least one, he had the groin issue a couple years ago. Uh, he obviously he had the ankle, and it's still bothering him. I, he can only be this good for so long. No one's Tom Brady in the NBA. He can't be. And there's just they're so they're relying on so many things to click in LA. I I think they make the play-in game at best. That's oh. that's what I'm seeing so early on. And yes, I'll, if you can you can have me eat my words if if they find their chemistry later on. But I I, I don't think they approach free agency the right way. I I think they might have been better off making a trade for a De'Aaron Fox. Rather than signing a guy or a Colin Sexton, right, right, right. Because someone it, get that man out of Cleveland. The, the Cavs were willing to part ways with Sexton. Oh, get him out of Cleveland. And if, if I think he would have been a great energizer for a team like the Lakers, but they're relying on so many guys to stay healthy who have proved they can't do so. AD had injury issues last year. He did. He did. Dwight, Dwight, Dwight Howard is getting up there in age. Westbrook and Beal did not get along. And in, in, well, they, they 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 were fine, but Westbrook tried to get Beal to leave the team because he was so quick to get out of there. I it's just I don't think it's a sustainable roster in LA. No, I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. I I just really I personally think that just they're they're just incomplete. Like there's just no team chemistry like within each of the guys. Like they can't play off like each one of their strengths I agree. or anything like that. Yeah. So, I think it's worth mentioning um Yeah, I actually I don't know what I was going to say there. Um no, <laughs> I think okay. I just completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, no. I think the Lakers, their ceiling is a six or seven seed right now. They they have a lot to prove. A mm-hmm. lot to prove. Yeah, definitely. Final point, Kyle? It's not really a, a final point, but okay. if, if we end yeah, up go ahead. Yeah. A, a quick break. But another team that I feel like we want to talk about is Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kyle read my mind. I was about to bring it up. They have the best player. They have his hit. Listen, LeVar Ball didn't lie. Lonzo Ball's the best player ever. He's so good. <laughs> Triple-double machine. But yeah, for Chicago, I remember kind of reading all the moves they're making, and on paper it sounded great because you got a lot of playmakers, you got a lot of people who could pass the ball and find someone else who's an open man, and and so far, like this season, granted they are three and zero. Granted, two of their wins are against the Detroit Pistons, which aren't it's not necessarily the the most talented team, but it's a team you have. But to But it's play. still a team, yeah. and they've they've also took down the Pelicans where. 
I feel like for to start off this season, the Bulls are hitting on all the the right points and what a lot of people wanted to see. I know tomorrow they have a game in Toronto against the Raptors, and I know one game I'm looking forward to is next Thursday. It's against the Knicks. It's against our Knicks. New York's team. New York Knicks. <laughs> Under review watch party, potentially. Ooh. Ooh, maybe. That's a good I'm idea. Not recording a package, maybe. We'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see. I know this team's fun. I mean, they already have a superstar in Zach Levine who's just progressed so, so nicely in the league. Uh, they brought in Ball. They brought in DeRozan. They brought in Caruso. Caruso's just such a fun player. Um, he caught that lob from Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. to complete Lonzo's triple-double. Lonzo's got a couple triple-doubles now in the league. He's getting good. Also fixed his shot. I mean, his shot off the dribble isn't great, but catch and shoot. I mean, he's he's, he's a good shooter. I he mean, is a good shooter. I yeah, mean, yeah. as a point guard, obviously it's not ideal. You would like to be better on shooting off the dribble, but, I mean— if you, they can work the ball like that, I think that's fun. It's a fun team, too. I mean, why not Chicago, right? DeRozan is fun. Vucevic they brought in at the deadline last year, which was also almost a shock to the league. But this is a, this is a team to watch. This is a team that they'll crawl up and be a, be a three or four seed, and you're going to look back in, a couple, in like a month or two and be like, this team's still here. Oh man, I yeah. forgot. I forgot about. Yeah, the, I forgot right, about these right. guys. But I also added that. That's out of no disrespect. I don't think you're going to forget about them. But this is a good team. And, and I the feel Bulls, like the Bulls are good. I feel like with the Bulls, I it's almost I, I kind of think about it. It's almost kind of similar to the Knicks, where yes, you kind of have a superstar that's leading the team. You have Randall for the Knicks. Hey, I agree. And you got Levine yeah. for the Bulls, and then you have you have so many players that could score double digit points. You got DeRozan. You got Vucevic. You got Ball. You got Caruso, and I know for against the Pelicans game, Javante Green scored 10 points where you have all of those guys that can contribute to a team and you could share the ball and continue with that. Yeah, I know. We definitely hit on those guys, like DeRozan, Vucevic, Ball, Levine, Green, and Caruso. But I think that there still needs to be more production eventually off the bench. I mean, look at the, these guys' minutes. They're all playing over 30 minutes each. That's a lot, and that's something that's not sustainable for a full season. So, I mean— their bench, other than that, is not phenomenal, and I think that's where they might get hurt. Yeah. So depth-wise, this team has ways to go right. for um, playoffs and championship-caliber seasons. But that's also something you can fix, and that's something you can work with at the trade deadline and as months and days go on. But that's my biggest concern for the Bulls, their depth. But other than that, this team's fun. They're energetic. And, yeah, they fly yeah. around. No, right, and that's what I love so much about what Tom Thibodeau did with the Magic the other day. Randall didn't play that many minutes. Kemba Walker at three threes in the first quarter. I think he played just over twenty minutes. That was it. Yeah, game. I think he played nineteen. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is exactly what you have to do to keep these guys healthy. For the last four minutes, they had I think Miles McBride, Quentin Grimes, McBride, Wayne Selden, Jericho Sims, and Kevin Knox play, which is perfect. So for, for a team like the Bulls, you need, you need to ensure. I I think they're in a great spot, and again, I think this is. They, they, they've approached this their offseason the right way. you got to have Levine be your leader. you got to establish a leader of the three. DeRozan and Vucevic need to definitely produce on the side, be sec- good, some good second and third options. And then Lonzo Ball just needs to be that, that, that battery, if that makes sense. He needs to, charge, he needs to get, make these three guys, these three stars, these three potential all-stars you have, the best players they can be. And then once you get Kobe White healthy off the bench, Scotty Barnes can establish to a good young player. The Bulls have a chance to go go far in the playoffs this year. I really do think so. Yeah, no, they're depth. I mean, I mean, well, they'll get depth, and they'll. I think they could, with with another move eventually throughout the season. Obviously, you got to make a move. Championship teams make moves. Right. Um, I think they can make one. And yeah, I forgot about Colby White coming off the bench. That's cool. But yeah, Lonzo Ball. This is a big year for him. I also Definitely. think that kind yeah. of finally he's get, been he's been doubted for so long. I know, you know? And, and and just out of I mean, that's just because his family and <laughs> more or less that. I mean, he was good in UCLA. He was he was decent when when drafted. I mean, he showed great signs on the Pelicans, but now as, as a Chicago Bull, I think he really has a chance to kind of be that guy and be the spotlight. Obviously, Levine is already that guy, but Lonzo Ball has a real shot to make an impact on this franchise, and I think he will. Yeah, uh, yeah, Zach Levine, absolutely, you know, dominating and everything like that. So, yeah, it'll definitely be good to see, um, you know, how Chicago plays. We'll take one final break. Uh, and then coming up, we will talk about um, some of the NFL games that are going on today. So, yeah, you are listening to Under Review on BICRadio.org.
Hey, what are you doing? Putting down a layer of asphalt. Well, it sounds terrible. Hold on. Wow, this sounds better. What is it? This is Asphalt, VIC's 90s alternative and indie rock show. Check it out every Wednesday from 10 to 11, only on VIC. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We have heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICRadio.org. Welcome back to Under Review on VICRadio.org. I'm Clayton Davis alongside Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. Guys, NFL, another another week. We are, uh, we're going through week seven. Can you believe that we're already at this point in the season? The Giants well on their way to the playoffs, right, Ethan? Oh, yeah. A slip and slide into the playoffs, so, right? So easy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But, um, yeah, they have a game today against the uh, Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Panthers have played... Uh, they played pretty well at the beginning of the season. They were 3-0, and they dropped three straights. Do we have so. to talk about this game? No, <laughs> yeah. no listen. Let's, let's be optimists here. Panthers are 0-3 in their last three games. Sam Darnold has not had the best time throwing the football, especially in the first half of these contests. Daniel Jones had a rough go of it last week. I think the, the mentality in the organization was everybody's injured. There's no shot to beat the Rams, and that's why Daniel Jones turned the ball over five times after doing <laughs> after doing after doing so well with the turnovers. To start it doesn't get season. help. He didn't have any help. He's look, look, bombarded look, look. I, in the pocket. I think, I think they can potentially win this game today. I don't know if the Panthers are a great team. Their secondary is really good, but I don't know. Something about this game just screams it's not a hundred percent guaranteed loss. You know, this is what this game's going to be. Ready. This is going to be the Giants are going to play well in the first half, and you're going to go into halftime thinking, wow, we, we have a shot here. We have a shot here. And they're going to blow it in the second half. I guarantee it. I almost guarantee it from a Giants fan. As a Giants fan, I think I guarantee it. I don't, I don't know if they're going to win this game. I hope they do. But, I mean, it's just been the play has just been not up to par. And it makes you wonder. I mean, I obviously these injuries have been shooting the Giants right in there behind all season yeah. long. But also, I mean, let's look at the coaching staff. I mean, Joe Judge was obviously good last year, but how good is he? Is he that good? He doesn't give any confidence to Daniel Jones whatsoever. That's that's the problem. It's just like you there's so? no connection between either of them. And when you have Daniel Jones that's not well, you know, it gives a lack of confidence to Joe Judge and then vice versa, back and forth. You know, I also think Jones is such like a – a stone cold guy, like doesn't show much emotion ever, and I feel like it's not. E- it might not be even easy to work with Jones because of that factor. A guy who's not showing much passion ever. Not saying he doesn't have it. He just doesn't show it, and that's just with some certain players. And that's also something that coaches. It's a hard job for a coach to work with a quarterback when your guy under center is not all that, that all that loud and all that passionate. Well, at least showing it wise, as I just said, but. It's 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 got to be hard. It's got to be hard for Judge and Jones. I think that they still have ways to go. But the question is, I mean, where where's that window? I mean, how long is how long is it if the Giants lose the rest of their games, win two or three games this entire season? I mean, what's going to happen with Judge? He's probably going to be kicked out the front door. I feel like Judge really were obviously how he came up as a coach. He worked under Nick Saban. He worked under Bill Belichick, and. I feel he's really trying to kind of recreate that at in the Giants organization at that level. Obviously, right now it isn't working. But a few good things to note for the Giants in terms of players that are going to be on the field or who are expected to play, Darius Slayton, John Ross, and Evan Ingram are supposed to or rather expected to play on Sunday or rather today in a few hours. And I feel like that's good to even – it's good to have those players out there and getting the opportunity. And even though, yes, they might not all be 100%, and especially there are times where the Giants have played people where they really shouldn't be in the game, obviously the blowout where Daniel Jones stayed in. But, again, it's a good sign that they still have the players who 
when given the ball and the right opportunity, they could march down the field, they could score, and they could bring the Giants out of this early season hole that they're in right now. Yeah. Not for sure. Jeremy, you have a point on that? Yeah, just before, obviously we should we can definitely move on, but as long as Nate Solder is starting games at left tackle, Daniel Jones, Daniel, Daniel Jones, oh, Daniel Jones is always at a risk to be injured because he is literally, he cannot play football anymore, and they still throw him out there. Andrew Thomas is on the injured reserve, which I'm fine with because I'd rather him get healthy and be, a, be a, around the rest of the year. This is going to be probably be a three-week thing, which is, all right, it's fine. But Nate Solder is is helpless. He's he's helpless. You don't really have yeah. any other options. I worry problem. about Daniel Jones as long as that's the case. But yeah, I'm ready to move on. Yeah. So yeah, we can talk about some of the other big games uh, coming up today: the Chiefs and the Titans. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's a big one. I got a good prediction for that one. I, yeah, me too. And I'm just going to start off by saying, if the Titans win this game, which they very well can, because Derrick Henry is going is is on fire, and the Chiefs' defense has been abysmal. The Chiefs are really on track to have a, a like a, the blow up of a season where they don't make the playoffs, and I'm not saying right. they are not going to, but it very well could happen. They're gonna have to work for it. Patrick, this, what this proves is Patrick Mahomes can only help him so much, and if their defense does not get stops, they may. There's the Chargers have gotten better, and so have so many other teams in that division. Yeah, where the Broncos definitely. They might not yeah. be. No, not, I want to know about the Broncos. They've lost four Raiders. straight. Yeah. Raiders but I get what you're saying because yeah. the Chargers and the Raiders have both played good football. You know, I think that this Chiefs defense has slowly, progressively been letting Mahomes down. Ever since he got into the league, too. I know uh, over the past couple seasons, it's been a concern like around week 11, 12. I mean, this obviously you know what this offense is capable of, but this defense is letting Mahomes down every year, and now it's really catching up to this team. Definitely. And there weren't, there weren't many improvements this offseason by the Chiefs on that defense. You know, they obviously kind of got bullied around in the Super Bowl, but that was also to the fact that the Buccaneers shut the Chiefs' offense down, which was something that Mahomes never dealt with. So, obviously, that was out of the ordinary. But that defense was still torn up in the Super Bowl, and they were still torn up in the regular season, and they were still torn up the two years prior. So now they're getting torn up for real. For this game specifically, I think it's going to be like 45-42. I think this is going to be a crazy game. I mean, look what – who did they play on Sunday night football? Oh, they played Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen – or maybe yeah, that was – it was a Monday night Josh or Sunday Allen, night. Yeah. Regardless, I think it was Monday night. The Josh Allen had his way no matter what. He looked like A.J. Wingfield of the Ithaca Bombers yesterday against <laughs> Buffalo State, uh, picking apart that entire Tennessee secondary – all day, every day. Mahomes is going to do the exact same thing, and Henry is going to tear apart this defense. I think this is going to be a absurdly high-scoring game, highest-scoring game of the of the day, maybe a, of, of a while, but I think this is going to be an offensive explosion, offensive throw-up on the field in Tennessee. Yeah. No, I don't know uh, who's going to win. I but. think so, too. <laughs> I, 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 have, uh, I have the Titans... Dominating in this one, I really think, so? think that yeah. Derek Derrick Henry is going to just stomp all over this Chiefs defense that hasn't. It's hard been not well to think that. Yeah, he's a he's an ongoing train, and I mean he ran for what a seventy six yard touchdown last week. Two others. I mean <laughs> Derrick Henry just has these games where no one can stop him. I mean he's literally. I, I know I'm taking this from someone who said earlier this week, but he's literally the guy you make in Madden twenty two when you want to just have fun and dominate. So you make the biggest, strongest, fastest guy, and you just have him go run through, and he runs for three hundred yards a game. That's what Derrick Henry's doing. It's absolutely unreal. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead, and then we'll just go rapid fire with the rest of the game. I feel like we could just go rapid fire. I wasn't really trying to make a point. Yeah, I was looking more towards the the other games. I know for one p.m. Bengals Ravens is another big game to look at the 4-2 Bengals and the 5-1 and Ravens Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson that's going to be a fun one to watch definitely no for sure um, then you have you have the Bengals and the Ravens which will be a huge game for the AFC North um, what do you guys have predictions wise in that game I will go Ravens I think the Ravens handle business. We're talking about that game, right? Ra- yes. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought you guys gave me a look. I wasn't talking about the right no. game. No, I think Ravens. Um, uh, I think Lamar is having a great year. Not even on paper, but I think as a whole he's doing a great job leading this team. Definitely, Jeremy? Yeah, I like the Ravens too, but I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be pretty close. I'm going to go 27-24 Ravens. Nice. I feel like I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens as well just because Lamar Jackson this year has just done Lamar Jackson things, but – I feel like it's going to be a high-scoring game where maybe both teams get into the 30s because you got you got Burrow 
And again, that offense for Cincinnati has really stepped up. And then it's Lamar Jackson, obviously. Awesome. Yeah. Do you guys have any final points uh, before we before we head out? Um, Sunday night football is not great. Colts Niners. Monday night football is not the best either. Monday, that'll be fun. Uh, yep. No, you're right. Saints that is also Seahawks. so. <laughs> the primetime games this week are not few, great. A few years ago, that would have been like a game must. Watch, I was about to say last year that would have that, that yeah, still would have been a good that game. That would have been a good game, but no breeze, no Wilson. Where are we at? Yeah, <laughs> feels weird. Feels oh, weird. Man. I'm excited for football today. I'm sure we'll get some good game. We're gonna get some good game, especially the one o'clock hour. So mm-hmm. enjoy your Sunday, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. My thanks to uh, Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Kyle DeSantis. I've been Clayton Davis. Uh, thank you for listening to Under Review. Coming up next is Weekly Pitch. Um, so don't go anywhere on uh, on uh, VICradio.org. Hey you, do you like Stephen Malkmus or Pavement or Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks or any other Stephen Malkmus related projects? We've got it all here on Asphalt on VIC every Wednesday from 10 to 11 here on Commercial 3 VIC. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black lives matter. Need a pick-me-up? Don't go anywhere. Over the Moon has your favorite upbeat, happy hits, no matter the genre. Tune in every week, Thursday, 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. Only on VIC Radio, the voice of Ithaca College. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. End your day with a smile by tuning in to Over the Moon, VIC Radio's happiest specialty show. Listen every week. Thursday, 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. Your FM alternative. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I meet places at our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to ready.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Welcome to the Weekly Pitch on BIC, your home for the hottest takes, debates, news, and everything sports. From collegiate athletics, a no hit in a Liberty League championship game, what a beat that would be. But here comes the one, two, two outs. Grounded to shortstop, Casper to first. It's a no hitter for the Bombers, Beth Lemon.
to professional sports. Now Booker with Tucker on in. Throws it up for Aiden. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. What a block from Giannis. Get ready and get set because away we go. It's the Weekly Pick with your hosts, Michael Memis, Jeremy Goldstein, and Marab Samad. And welcome to the Weekly Pitch. I'm Michael Emmis, alongside Jeremy Goldstein, Marav Savat, and our producer, Parker Hollentoner. Great to be with you guys. It's kind of, we're in the best part of the sports season. you got all four major sports, plus college football. Um, it, it's awesome, guys. Uh, yeah. Only, yeah, no. Yeah, it is. So tons to talk about, obviously. Um, soon that's going to change, obviously, because baseball's going to be over pretty soon. But, for now... Let's start with some college football first. We have a kind of expected result. Ithaca beat Buffalo State handily yesterday. I think it was the third most points they've ever scored against Buffalo State. Most 54, second most 53. I believe this was the third most. Um, and they really took up, obviously took the gas off in the second half. Like They put in a ton of backups. They were playing you know, their backup QB. They were playing their uh, fourth-string running back. They were playing a lot of receivers who never usually play. But... Uh, Commanding win nonetheless, and pretty happy because they did at the beginning of the year they did struggle in the first half sometimes against those bad teams, and they kept it close, and then they pulled away in the second half. Yeah, I, I, especially beyond cover. I think we, were, Mike, you, you and I were at radio, and Marab was obviously producing Bombers Live, so we all had a pretty good viewership of the game, so to speak. And I look, I, I had a lot of respect for the fact that I think it wasn't treating it like it was Buffalo State, but they were treating it like it was a. Any other opponent, and they got the job done. They're seven and zero now. The real test, though, comes next week. The past couple of seasons, seven and zero has been where the line or the fun sort of last year, last the fun ended, and RPI has really ruined their season the last couple of times out. So this is going to be where we see if this is a different Bombers team or if the engineer curse is a legitimate is, thing. It's the same schedule as 2019, by the way. Yeah, it, except for they didn't play Brockport in 2019. Yeah, but so, at the end, I mean at the end of the season where you have RPI, Union, and Cortland. Cortland. Yeah, no, it's the uh, same as, yeah, no, so first, our, 2018 that didn't happen. I think they played, they lost RPI earlier in the year. But yeah, last 2019, that was the same case. I would also say a little little pushback on your point of saying they kept it normal because they did not play the kinds at all. Which I think I don't think it was because like Hines is not the starter anymore. I think it's more just because rest up Hines for the game, give uh, Jake Williams more rep because now Os- Jalen o- Leonard Osborne's out for the season. Um, but they basically yeah they basically traded it like that except for I think the running back position. Um, but yeah no it's really against RPA RPA again they've lost the season they haven't looked that impressive just like in 2019 2019 they had I think two losses going into that game. But they still got they got talent. Like they they have a good defense still. They have George Mar- Marinopoulos, who um, you know was still was around. We always have fun. With, on, on, coming on a kickoff, we have so much fun with his name pronunciation. I'm looking, I'm looking at 2018, right? Yeah. The Bombers had a weird season. They lost by six, 13 to seven to the to Brockport, who was number five ranked. They were very close to making and, it. They and, were closer and, than that year than 2019. And then they lost to, to, to number 20 ranked RPI 10 to 9 because of the two-point conversion they attempt. Went, yeah, no, they went for two at the end. That was a, And they also had a lot of fourth downs they went for that game. I remember I think I had to do it for a prompt for like an ICTV audition. Uh, and Oh, wait, also that game, they weren't even – Nobby was hurt. So they had to pay uh, Peter Puzzle. I probably say his name wrong. I know he's a tight ends coach with you now, but Pierre Palzuski or whatever. No, so they also they probably win that game if they had Nobby. So, so twenty eighteen, they they were not as good of an offensive team. Twenty nineteen, they were. This season, I think they're more of a defensive focused team, but they can score the football. I think they're just very good at like controlling the pace. If, I think that's like their their big thing. I, so, I think Ithaca's offense is nowhere near as good as twenty nineteen, but it's oh, no, defense, but their defense is better. It's so much better. Their defense, their offense is better running the ball. I think. I think. Their their offense was really struggling. Like it really was reliant on German Germanario. Germanario, Germanario Germanario carry the running game, but their running back yeah. overall are better. I think this year, mm-hmm. but in terms of passing game, yeah, obviously Germanario is like was so good. And Wingfield's having a great season. I think he's the best QB in the Liberty League besides maybe Marinopoulos. I think he's the only guy who has an argument over, um, over Wingfield. But obviously he's no Germanario. Germanario was ridiculous. He threw for over three thousand yards. Uh, Wingfield has like 1,800 right now, so he's going to probably throw for like a little over 2,000, but he's not going to throw for nearly as much as German Ario did. Yeah, in this is the RP, this RPI team, I like we're spending more time on this, by the way, it has not been a powerhouse team. They've, they've had so many 
close calls this season. If you looked at their record, you wouldn't be able to tell. Starting in week one, they played Montclair State University, and it took them a a touchdown with 37 seconds left, or, or maybe even less. To, to win that game, they they won it twenty one to ten, and Montclair State is one in six, so they almost lost that game. They barely beat Stevenson University. They won fourteen to ten. They lost to Buffalo State by one possession, twenty four to sixteen, and they um, and they lost to Hobart, obviously ten to nine. They were so this is a team that has not scored the football at an effective rate this season. So and Ithaca has been the better team on both sides, I'd argue. So. Um. Yeah, looking at the uh, – obviously we're talking about the Rochester game up next. But I'm really interested about the Union game because that, that was the That game. might tell all. If Hobart wins, I think Ithaca's in a really good scenario. Because yeah. all they will have to do is, you know – because Union will already have one loss. So if Ithaca, you know, if Ithaca beats Union, it, I think you basically are, like, in good shape. Because Hobart already – Hobart has one loss. But let's say if, Hobart wins out. If Hobart, Hobart would, lost to Ithaca. Yeah. You know, and let's say Ithaca lost to RPI. Um, I think Hobart you know, RPI also Union. probably going to lose to Union. Yeah, no, but that's year. what worries me. If Union comes out and, and plays a really good football game and beats Hobart successfully, that's, that's, that's scary. Yeah. I'd, ra- I'd rather Hobart beat Union. Oh, no, you mean Union beating Hobart? Yeah, yeah. It's if Union beats and Hobart. Union, I mean, Hobart didn't look very impressive. They lost. They barely beat no. St. Lawrence, who's not been good this season. Although... You know, and St. Lawrence is missing their QB, but also Hobart did, did beat you see RPI, that hit, by so. the way? We were watching. I, was, I did not see During that. Countdown to Kickoff, we were watching that game, and I forgot the name, uh, Tyler Groshot. Yeah. And he's running the football, trying to escape the pocket that's collapsing on him. And I'm telling you, he leans his helmet into a defender and gets popped. Yeah, I, I just have to, I'm just trying to figure out right now what is the tiebreaker for the three-way tie. Because there is still a possibility of a three-way tie. Ithaca just has to win. That's how they have to look at it. Get Marab, that Bobber's live coverage on Union with an undefeated 8-0 roster. Yeah, because if Hobart Hobart beats Union, Ithaca beats RPI, Ithaca loses to Union, and then Union beats RPI, it's a three-way tie for first. I think it's the only three-way tie that could happen is Ithaca, Hobart, and uh, Union. But if that happens, I have no clue what the thing is. Because especially if at that in that scenario, they'd all be one and one against each other. They'd all have beaten one team and lost to the other. So I have no I guess it, I'm guessing it's point differential. That's why which it, in that case it'd be Ithaca or Union. That's why if Ithaca wins next week, RPI's out of this. They're out of it. Oh no, RPI is in RPI yes, if RPI loses, they're out of it. Correct. If RPI wins loses one more game, they're out of it. And they have a really tough schedule, obviously. They're playing Ithaca and they're facing Union, so uh, I think they're bound to. They're bound to. I think they are. I doubt they win the. the they, they haven't played that well. They haven't played season. that well. Um. It, yeah. I. I don't know. I. I would say. Yeah. I. I'm. Uh, I'm optimistic for Ithaca. Um. We'll see what happens. And they haven't really moved up in the rankings. One of the teams ahead of them lost, so they'll move up one spot this week, likely. But we'll see what happens if they win out. They probably get the. I think they get in the top ten. Because 